Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. It's so good to see you. I, I just always look forward to being out here in Windsor, and I, I saw a lot of you on Friday night. I was able to get out here to the great event, and, and I ate some cookies. How many of you had some cookies? And Man, there was so much good stuff out here, and they even had like a petting zoo for the kids, and I went through Bethlehem, and I met the actual donkey that Jesus rode on into <laughs> Jerusalem. <laughs> oh, I love it out here. And then uh, it was fun because before I came here, I drove up to the farm. How many of you have never been to the farm here, the land that we own just at the top of the hill? Um, I just encourage you, if you haven't been up there lately, I know you've been talking about it, but man, for me, driving around that roundabout and then looking at the new double wide lanes and all the new pavement and the turn in and the new roads for the neighborhood really marks our boundary and you're able to look back. I, I drove in there and turned my car around. I just looked at that 20-some acres and I, I literally just thought, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I, I remember standing in this room when it was just a dirt floor and saying, God, you have, you have plans and, and what are you gonna do here? And then we had the opportunity to buy that up there and I see it now starting to be developed and I see where God is taking us. You guys, I'm so excited about our team here. I love our team here. I love our campus pastor here in Kirsten. And just, just a joy. Bonnie is with me. Bonnie, would you just wave? And she, really, she really does exist. And, uh, and we have a lot of fun. She's going to come and sing a song now that'll bless you. No. <laughs> she just had a heart attack right there. She just had a heart attack. Um, no, uh, we, we have a lot of fun. You know, our team really can tell you Fun Church Serious Mission, it's a real thing. And we do laugh a lot. I, I, I often say this, you, you can tell a lot about somebody by what makes them cry and what makes them laugh. And I wanna be a person who is able to cry for the right reasons and able to laugh for the right reasons. And that excites me. I, uh, I really, I really want to talk to you about the continuation of this Advent series. And we're talking today about shepherds. We've, we've sort of had this promises kept. And we're looking at a couple passages in the Old Testament. And we're saying, was this actually foretold? Did God make a promise to his people that a Messiah, a Savior, would actually come? And so I get to talk with you about that. Now, let me just tell you what I did. I, I went to Google, which you know, everything on the internet is true. <laughs> Not, but anyway, this part was, I, I, I Googled, what are all the names of powerful uh, leaders? Like, what's the top level leader? What are they called in different countries? And so I, I got a big list. I mean, it's lists like Duke, Duchess, Marquis, Earl, Countess, Baron, King, Queen, Dame, 
esquire, gentleman, lady, Caesar, emperor, um, things like, like Pharaoh, when you look at Egypt. These are all names that represent the person with the most power. But there was one title that not one country had. Shepherd. That's reserved for the kingdom of God. How ironic that shepherd would be what Jesus refers to himself with. And I think that's worth taking a look at. So we're going to kind of dive in to say, why would God, almighty, all-powerful, want to give himself a name like shepherd? What is a shepherd? And as we, as we answer that question throughout this message, I just need to know how many of you have been around sheep? Let me just, just wave at me. Okay, quite a few of you. So you're going you're gonna to get this. My, my grandpa was a farmer, my grandma and grandpa in Kansas. Matter of fact, Someone in our, our team today said, where in Kansas? I said, Howard, Kansas. I, said, I know right where it is. I couldn't believe it because it's a spot in the road just down the road from Sedan, Kansas. And people don't know where that is either. <laughs> but he had a lot of sheep. You do know where it is. Good, okay. Um, and cattle and, and chickens. And this is back in the day when, I mean, they didn't have all the machinery and, you know, chicken coops. It was just raw and it stunk and I saw sheep problems, and sheep are not the smartest animals on the planet, so when we're referred to in the Bible as sheep and we need a shepherd, how many of you can just accept that as a reality, okay? Okay, so just as long as you can get, it's not a slam, God's not trying to mock us, he's just saying, without a shepherd, we're in trouble. So this week, Pastor Jeff thought it would be fun to in interview a sheep. And when he told me that, I said, what, what, do you, what do you mean? He said, well, I just think it would be great to have a live sheep come up on the platform and do a little interview. Now, those of you that know Jeff Lucas know that anything he does has the potential of being a wreck. <laughs> How many of you know that? He would be the first to tell you that. And, and he doesn't make this stuff up. Bonnie and I have traveled with he and Kay, and I'm, I promise you, stuff happens to him. It doesn't happen to anybody else. Sometimes I just say, Jeff, I'll just meet you on the plane. I don't want to deal with all the stuff that's going to happen between the ticket agency and getting to the gate and getting to security. I'll just see you there because you never know what's going to happen to him. So we brought a sheep up onto the platform, and he knew that I would be out here this weekend, so he's, he's including our Windsor family and me and I want you to take a quick look at this little interview of the sheep. Hi, Pastor Darry and, and friends over in Windsor. I just want to introduce you to a brand new friend. We've got really close. Uh, really, really close. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> this is... This is Joshua, the sheep. You probably noticed he's a sheep. So, uh, Joshua, could you uh, just tell everybody what your name is, please? Okay, let's try something else. Uh, Joshua, where were you born and raised? 
Okay. Um, how about what is the basis of Einstein's theory of relativity? All right, well, we seem to be drawing a blank. Have a great day. <laughs> oh, poor Cameron. <laughs> oh, that is typical of uh, Pastor Jeff. I, I thought it was really cute, though, that we have uh, that video because it does show you that sometimes we need help as sheep. And I have seven things I want to talk to you about this idea of the promise that a shepherd is going to come to help the sheep. All right, you ready? They're on the back of, of your program. They'll also be on the screen. Number one is another promise kept. And this is from the prophet named Micah. If you have a Bible with you or anywhere and you go through the Old Testament, you will find a short book in the Bible called Micah. And this is from chapter five. And this happens to be a prophecy. This is like 700 years before it happens. But it's a promise that God kept to send a shepherd, to send someone to help the sheep. You, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. This is a prophecy that is fulfilled by the birth of Jesus. Even the town, Bethlehem, is named. Now, Bethlehem, it still isn't much of a town, but back in this day, just a small little quaint area that you would not expect something like God's son to be born in. But that's the promise we have. Have you guys ever made a promise to someone? You know, when you say, I promise, in my family, uh, Bonnie can tell you this, if sometimes when she knows I'm kidding, she'll say, do you promise? <laughs> because that'll end it. That'll end my joke. Because I grew up knowing that if, if you say you promise, you better mean it or you will go to hell right then and you will die and that's the end of your life. And so I always answer that. That's how you get to me the, the quickest. Do you promise? And, and I, I don't like it when people say I promise when they don't have the power to back it up. You ever been watching a movie and someone's kidnapped? And, you know, someone gets a hold of them on the phone and they say, I promise I'm going to get you out of this situation. You can't make that promise. How many of you know that? And it so frustrates me. And Bonnie will say, Terry, it's a movie. And I'll say, I know, but they shouldn't make that promise. You don't make a promise that you, you don't know you can keep. How many of you are with me say yes? Yeah, don't make a promise. This is a promise that God kept. Don't forget that. There are not a lot of promises that are kept anymore in our world. And people love to make them but they don't like to see it through all the way to the end. God has made a promise that we would have a shepherd. God has made a promise that we, the sheep who have gone astray, would have a shepherd who would come and find us. 
And you can be assured today, you have a shepherd chasing you down. You have a shepherd who loves you and believes in you. You say, well, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter, because I know God. And God doesn't lie. And he made a promise. And he's after you today. Number two, it's a vital question. What comes in our minds when we think about what God is like? It's a very important question that I want to just spend just a moment on. Matter of fact, A.W. Tozer, have you heard of him? An author, writer, he's written some amazing stuff. He actually says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Wow. Would you say that's a big statement? I would. The most important thing about us? So I start thinking about this, and I start thinking about what comes to my mind when I think of God. And I started writing some words down. I just want to try it with you today. So, so just, just right here in this room, don't be afraid. There's no dumb answer. When I say what comes to mind when I say God Almighty, what are the words that come to your mind? Say them. Amazing. Grace. Power. Forgiveness. Savior. Yeah. Creator. Yeah. That's it. Um, All of these words, now, all of those words are positive because we are here celebrating God and we have found something about God that is in those words. Let's flip it. Put yourself in an environment where you're around where some work people that are atheists or they're God-haters or they take his name in vain every day. They don't have a faith like you have. And when I say, what comes to mind when I say the word Almighty God, what would they say? He doesn't exist. Angry. Yeah, all all of these other side words. How can we fix that? Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because all of us shape our thoughts about God by our experiences with God or the people who say they know God. Some of you were raised in a situation where your home was super religious, maybe legalistic, and God was angry, and you couldn't do anything right. And God was mad, and he had his hand on a button that said pain, and every time he he wanted to give you pain, he just pushed the button, and you... You lived in that, and and suddenly God is not a great word, and you don't have a good understanding in your mind of what God is really, really like. I grew up, I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Anybody from New Mexico? Great, great state. And my dad was a pastor. There are five of us kids, and um, he was pastoring a church that he started and it had grown to four or 500 people. It was a great church. And back in the late 60s, I was probably eight years old uh, when this story happened. It was an amazing church. But here was the problem. There are five of us kids. My dad had to always go early to church as the pastor. And so all five of us would be with mom. Well, at the end of church, and we had all these rules about where we had to sit because my mom played the piano. So us kids were just loose. And for me to be loose, that's scary. And uh, I had a lot of energy as a kid. I still do as an adult. But 
we had to sit in the first two rows, somewhere on the first two rows. You guys are in my seat right there. And we would have revivals where we'd have church like every night for weeks. And I became very accustomed to those rows. And there would be some days I would be tired and church would be underway and I would just lay down. they let me sleep if I needed to and I'd just go to sleep. And one particular night, I fell asleep on the second row. My mom told my dad to take some of the kids and she would take some of the kids to go home and we'll get a snack when we get home. Well, all four of my sisters were sure excited, but no one missed me. (laughs) I was still sleeping on the second row. And they got home and dad said, where's Derry? And and my mom said, well, he was with you. And he said, no, he, he was with you. So while he's jumping back in the car to get back to the church, the building is completely locked up. The lights are out. Now, I grew up hearing about the rapture every Sunday. Do you guys know what the rapture is? It's the coming of the Lord. I'm eight years old, and I wake up on the second row, and it is completely dark. And there is no one in the building. And Jesus has come. And I miss the rapture. And I go running back through the doors much like those and came to the glass doors that go outside and no one was there and they were locked and I couldn't get out and I didn't want to go out and I didn't know what to do. And I was crying and I was scared and I saw my dad pull up in the car, jumped out of the car. You can still see it. He left the door open and he came running and opened those doors. And I'll tell you, I said, did Jesus come? (laughs) No, he didn't. And I said, I'm glad we both didn't miss it. (laughs) I knew he wouldn't miss it. Why did that happen like that? Because in my mind, the rapture was happening today. I got saved every Sunday night because if you didn't, if you didn't have your sin confessed, you're going to hell. How many of you are with me on that? It was my measurable experience about God. And I love my upbringing, so I'm not slamming anybody. I'm just telling you, some of you right now, your view of God, I would just go so far as to say, no one on this earth has the absolute perfect view of God. No one. You can't, because it's by those experiences. It's by what people have told you and what you have have found and what you have gone through, and it's different for everybody. Number three, Jesus, the good and beautiful shepherd. Now, this is where we take a turn to really see the trait of God through his son, Jesus, and this really matters. It's very, very important. In John chapter 10, 14 and 15, we see this. Now, this is Jesus talking. I am am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Well, that's a first. There's no other shepherd that would ever do that. Again, another prophecy of Jesus saying, my love is so great for the sheep that I will give up my life. I will lay down my life. They didn't take the life of Jesus. He offered it. Pretty compelling, isn't it? 
No one else has ever done that for me. And no one else has probably ever done that for you. But Jesus, the good shepherd, did. The word good, it's an interesting word. It actually can be translated to the word beautiful. And not just good, like morally good, but that, that same Greek word is actually used, I think, by Matthew when he, when he looks at the, the temple and he talks about the beautiful temple, the, the good and beautiful temple. And, and what's happening is Jesus is saying, not, oh, I'm physically beautiful, look how beautiful I am. He's saying, I understand what a shepherd needs to do to be beautiful for the sheep. I'm here. I can do that. I am that person. No one else can do that. Wow. Does God want the best for you? Yes. It's a compelling question, and you should really give it some thought. Because what you believe about that matters a lot. It really matters a lot. His loving kindness endures forever. And as sheep, we get in trouble. Now let's talk about this for a minute. I know this just from my grandpa on my grandma's farm, but I also know it just as a fact with sheep. If you've raised sheep, you may have seen this happen before. But especially in the day when we think of sheep on a hillside, you know, David the shepherd, you know, all that stuff. Have, have you ever been around a, a sheep with a lot of wool that has grown after it rains? Now, I know they can shed some water and they're, they're, that, that wool is kind of oily, but they can get really heavy. And sometimes a sheep wants to take the burden off and they like to find little lower places in the soil. They'll even dig sometimes. And when they go to lay down, it's critical that they get their feet under them. Because what happens if they get a little bit on a hill slant, the weight will roll them upside down and their feet can be straight up. And it looks funny. You think they're just taking a nap, you know, like a dog but they're not. They can't get up. Sheep have died in that position. There's a name for it. It's called cast. C-A-S-T. Cast down. When a sheep is cast down, it can't live, and finally, it will die. But the shepherd comes and rolls it back up, and there's a word for that. It's found in Psalm 23. It's the word restore. It means the lifter, the one who stands us up. When, when the psalmist says, he restoreth my, what? My soul. What he's saying is, when I'm downcast, when I'm facing death, when I don't have hope, I can't do this by myself, the shepherd restores me. I'm back upright. I can eat again. I can drink again. I can be a sheep again. Why? Because the shepherd has restored, has saved my life. He loves you that much. He cares about you that much. So I love the fact that Jesus calls himself self the good shepherd. I want to say one thing and we'll go on to number four. Some of you, there's no shame in this, but we're in a culture where mental illness has never been more of an attack on our minds and our hearts and our bodies. 
in, in, in all the years that I've pastored, I don't know that I've ever seen an assault by the enemy on the emotions of human beings like I have in the last four years. When, when COVID came, regardless of what you feel about COVID, it began to push people into a dark place. And people started really feeling angry and stuck. And the, the outcome of that for a church like Timberline at each of our campuses, I'm telling you, I can't even go into the detail of how much we have changed because we're trying to help people with mental health issues. Depression, it, it was a huge thing. Suicide, thoughts of suicide, people who can't win, families that become dysfunctional, who never had a problem before. There was something about this isolation and this fear that gripped people and it cast them. It put them on their back and they couldn't get up. And man, we have worked and worked. We've done series on mental, mental health. You've been here. You've heard Pastor John preach on this and other of our teaching team. Why? Because we know the good shepherd doesn't want you to be in that state. Because he came to heal our minds. But if you are there today, because see, depression and insecurity and then grief, a loss, and that, that leads to uh, so many different forms of addiction. Not just alcohol, drugs, fentanyl, all of that. All of that's real too. But it leads to addiction to sorrow, to grief itself, to not being able to climb out of that hole. And today I gotta tell you, please hear me if you don't hear anything else I say. You have a shepherd who wants to put you upright. You have a shepherd who doesn't want you to be cast down another moment. Let us pray with you today. I mean it. Number four, we are under his loving authority. We really are under his loving authority. Now, this is another kind of prophetic idea that comes out of Isaiah chapter 40. It says, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. That's talking about almighty God. But look at this. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock, like a what? Yeah, like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads mother sheep with their young. I, I can tell you right now, not everyone likes the word authority. It's an interesting word because it can mean dictatorship. It can mean like submission, but you in your heart, you can have someone who has authority over you and never give them the authority that they think they have. How many of you know that's true? You know, someone might be your boss, but that doesn't mean you let them be your boss. Because all authority is given, it's not taken. Oh, they could kill you. Like if you're in certain countries and you don't bow down or you don't do what you're told, they can arrest you, take you to jail but you can still be in jail not giving them authority in your life. Even Jesus said to his disciples, all authority has been what? Given me by the Father. He didn't try to take it. It was given to him. Think about that. So what does that tell us? It tells us that that free will you have is very important. And you need to recognize that in order for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you give him 
authority to be your shepherd. He doesn't take it. And that's a problem with a lot of people. People say, well, I want God to prove to me. I want him to knock me down. Well, he could do that, but he hardly ever does. Why? Because he wants you to give him authority as the good and beautiful shepherd. Every pastor on our team, when they're hired, I bring them into my office and I say, Something to the effect of, look, I'm not the boss of you in the kingdom of God. I'm not more important to you. I'm, but I'm in a role that has authority over you. Will you let me speak into your life? Do you give me that authority? Because if you don't give it to me, I'm not going to try to take it. And if they don't say yes, then it's not going to work. They've always said yes, and I turn right around, and you know what I say? I say, well, I want to tell you something. I give you authority to speak into my life as well. Because if we're going to work together and I'm running the wrong way on the field and you don't tackle me, I'm going to kill you when I get up. Because <laughs> I don't always get it right. We need authority, proper authority, but here's the thing. We need to give it to the good shepherd. Where are you today with that? Well, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. No one's going to tell me what to do. You're right. Does it feel good? You're totally right and totally wrong because you have a shepherd who invites you to trust him. And he's the most trustworthy, not just human, but human and God that you're ever going to get. You can trust him. Number five. We are called to daily intimacy. Now think about this. This is where the story takes a turn. And, and we're just going to wrap up with these next three thoughts, just real fast. In Luke 2, in verse 8, it says that there were shepherds living. This is, this is right when Jesus is being born, okay? So this is not a prophecy of old. The shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, which is what they did keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. What? God is sending, God, the ultimate shepherd, is sending an angel to the shepherds on the hillside. Now, let's get one thing understood so there's no confusion. These were not rich shepherds. These were not special shepherds. This is not, I mean, herdsmen in the Old Testament, Abraham, David, they, were, they, they had thousand flocks that were you know, worth a lot of money. But these guys on the hill this night, they had a reputation. You know what they were called in their culture? I, I can't even give you the exact translation from a certain Greek word because it's a cuss word. But they were scum. They were known to be scum, dishonest, low life. Let me, let me take it a step further, just so you know the picture. A shepherd in Jesus' day was not allowed to appear in court as, a, as someone who could testify because they lied so much that they finally ban a shepherd from being able to testify, testify because they would testify in behalf of whoever's bribe was the biggest. So what is this about? God's in heaven and he goes to the angels, hey, 
I want you to go down on that hillside where those, those shepherds are, and I want you to let the light of God ride in there. I wonder if the angels are saying, do you know who they are? What's, what's this a picture of? This is a picture of your insecurity. This is a picture of your self-talk. This is a picture of you not being good enough. I'm too ugly, I'm too fat, I'm too uneducated, I don't do this well, I'm not coordinated. That's all a bunch of lies. And God, the good shepherd says, I'm coming to you. You can try to hide on a hillside. <laughs> but God sends his best. When you don't believe in yourself, the good shepherd still has you. And he believes in you. And guess what? He is never going to stop chasing you. Never. Why? Because you're his sheep. And he's your shepherd. Don't ever forget that. Number six, we experience his authentic empathy. Empathy is that idea that God really does care. It's not just a make-believe story. Our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep in Hebrews, does he really care? Yeah, he does. He's fully God and fully man, and he genuinely cares about every fiber of your being. He was tempted like we are. He was tested like we are, the Hebrews writer tells us. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was joyful. He was sad. He had emotions. Pastor Jeff got in trouble one time over in the UK preaching when he said Jesus had to go to the bathroom. And some Brit said, how dare you demean our Lord like that? Because they couldn't get it in their head that Jesus was really fully human and they just couldn't have this picture. But you need to have, not of him going to the bathroom, but you need, you need to have a picture of his humanity being so great that he feels, he felt what you feel and you deal with and what you go through. He's that kind of a God. That's why he can be your shepherd. Let me wrap up with this. We're a part of his flock for all of eternity. Number seven. In 1 Peter 5, it says this, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, this is a little scary and maybe even a little creepy for some of you, what I'm about to say. But it's absolutely true. You have no choice from this moment on, from the moment you were conceived, you are here forever. You are somewhere forever. You will forever be, no matter how far time is, you're in existence now and you can't go back to non-existence. It really matters the decisions you make while you're human about that forever. And this isn't a scary thing. It's a blessed thing to be able to say, Lord, this life on this earth is just 
gone. It's a vapor. I heard a funny little phrase the other day. They said, talking about aging, and they said, well, 70's the new 60. And 80 is still 80. <laughs> there is a point when we slip into eternity. And it's real, you guys. Your loved ones, my family, my dad, I get to be with them forever because of the good shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, it matters. Thank you for a moment like this when we can recognize eternity is now. And because you're the good shepherd, you said yes to the sheep. Seeing all of our needs, all of our insecurities, all of our failures, and you still came. And you laid down your life for the sheep. So we could say yes to eternity. Thank you. Listen, if, if you're here with heads bowed and you need to say yes to God in eternity, just say it right now. You don't have to walk up here. You don't have to yell it. You can just say, Lord, I say yes to eternity with you. I believe you died on that cross for me. Forgive me, cleanse me. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Say it right now. That's why we exist as a church, is to help people make that decision. And we'll journey with you as well. That's one. Step two. How many of you love the Lord? Just think about this. You've already confessed your sin. You know you're going to heaven. You're going to live eternity with God, but you are downcast right now. And, and you're, you're in trouble. That addiction is getting you. No one may know it around you. You may be hiding something really well. You may be in a depression or a drug addiction, whatever it is. But I want to pray over you. I want you to come out of this. I want to, I want to be an under-shepherd from God who comes and pushes you, rolls you over today. Pastor John and I agree on this, that if there's anyone in this room that is cast and you're dangling by a thread, we want to pray over you and believe God with you. With heads bowed, I know it's personal, but how many of you would, would anybody just say, please pray for me. I need help from God today. Hold your hand up, please. You can put it right back down. God bless you. Thank you. You can put them right back down. Lord, thank you for these who seriously in this moment are acknowledging something very important. And we just pray with them. We stand with them that you, oh God, would reveal to them today that life is worth living. That you are there as a shepherd and that their life matters to you. Comfort them. Give them wisdom and grace to make good decisions. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit timberlinechurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.